The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, DBXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house. And anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. If you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and there you'll see two videos on the top of the page. The one on the left is an educational video by Bradley because he was tied up with something on Saturday, wasn't able to do the show. And, uh, and so if you want to watch that, you can watch it up at 3 o'clock this afternoon, at which time he'll be live. And then on the right side is where we are, and there's a little picture of Moses there. And if you guys are wondering, yes, that was a depiction of horns. You know, horns 
<clears throat> have been thrown on the artist renditions of the devil, and horns are just symbol, symbols of power. That's what you see in Scripture. Uh, so if that looks a little odd to you, go back and look in Scripture, and where you do a word search, and when you find horns, you'll find that horns represent power. And Moses was... He was the lawgiver, right? <laughs> he came down off the mountain. They couldn't even look at his face because it was shining so brightly because, well, God had given him the law there. And uh, so <clears throat> keep that in mind. But if you push the play button, blow it up on whatever device you're on, and then the bottom right-hand corner, uh, you'll see Rumble, a Rumble icon. Click on that, and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. By the way, we are streaming to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. We're also on beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there. DLive.tv at These Sons of Liberty. If you're on Twitter by chance, for as long as they leave me on there, um, we're streaming there too at The Real Tim Brow, not Brown. <laughs> the Real Tim Brow 2. <laughs> I know it's really funny. I should have been paying attention when I signed up for that and stuck something else in there. But anyway, that's there. And then the various Facebook pages that I still have. Uh, where a lot of you guys come on, and I appreciate your support in doing that. Also, right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our newsletter. You can also sign up for, and you get that daily. And then if you want our ministry uh, email, that's at sonsoflibertyradio.com. So you can get it there. And then there's a donate button at the top of the page of Sons of Liberty Media. If you want to help keep us out there doing everything that we do, you can click on that, make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. And uh, we appreciate you guys for that. That's our monthly partners. Also, our store is available. Lots of great conversation starters, equipping tools in there. This week, we're highlighting the Sons of Liberty dog tags. These are normally $8. They're not like a dog tag like uh, you get in the, um, in the military. Uh, that cheap aluminum stuff. This is some high-quality metal. They're nice and thick. They're not going to bend real easy. You can get them in silver. You can get them in black. They have Sons of Liberty on the on one side, First John 3.18 on the other. They're normally $8 this week only. Through Saturday at midnight, you can get 10% off when you use the promo code LOVE. First John 3.18, right? We love in deed, not words, right? So use love, and you get 10% off on that, and that is through Saturday at midnight. Now, we had some pre-show music going. For those of you who are interested, you go to my Rumble channel. I uploaded it. The guy's, he calls himself Conspiracy Music Guru. And he's got a very unique sound. Some of you may not agree with everything that, that's in the song. That's okay. That's okay. Um, I just, I found it the other day. I re-uploaded it there. This guy, very talented. Uh, I love his sound. Uh, but anyway, I'll have that in the archive. I know, Debbie, you were looking for that and i'm sorry i can't respond to my personal page which is kind of goofy with this but i couldn't but i'm glad you found it i'll have it in the archive later this morning for those of you who like that you want to like get your groove on in the morning or whatever, <laughs> you want to play that uh it's a great it's a great little tune it really is okay i've got a couple of videos that i want to share with you this morning and um <clears throat> i don't know if something fell through or whatever We're supposed to have brent winters on if you remember brent winters is the um the guy that uh, Roger Sells last week was talking about a U.S. citizen versus U.S. national. This is the guy he recommended. And um, Brent and I had a conversation. I sent him the uh, link, and then I just assumed he had gotten it, and then I failed to follow up yesterday, so it's my fault. But I failed to follow up, so I sent him something this morning. Did you get that? And apparently he didn't, so that's my fault. So we're going to see if we can get Brent on a different day, okay? Um, maybe tomorrow or something, but I'm going to try to pick up some bit of that subject line that we have for today, and uh, and we'll do that after I play a few videos here. I haven't got to do this for a while because last week 
All we had, I think I had one live show, and that was with Lynn on Wednesday. Everything else we had to pre-record beforehand. So um, here's the first one. This is from uh, Pfizer. Just, Just a reminder. I know this is old to everybody, and everybody's on to Donald Trump getting, you know, raided at Mar-a-Lago, and I've already given you my thoughts on that. Um, Yeah, I know communists go after their political opposition, but I also know that they set up controlled opposition, too. And that's the one thing I don't hear anybody talking about, whether it is the Mockingbird media, whether it's the conservative media, whether it's the, you know, alternative media. I just don't hear anybody bringing that stuff up. And um, I've already told you what I think about it. I, I just think it's a ploy. I think it's poking the people in the eye who support Donald Trump, some of them who worship him, and it's, it's provoking them to revolt. I think that's what it is. Does Donald Trump look the least bit concerned about any of this? Does he look concerned about it at all? Well, no, Tim, he's got the plan. Don't you know he's working with the military? The military is in control. The White Hats are in control. Well, if they're in control, why are you still under attack, dummies? I don't know any other way to say it. Why are you still under attack? Well, Tim, you got to wait. They laid the trap, and, and we got to pray, and we got to trust the plan, and we got to get our popcorn and watch the movie. I'm just seeing this stuff coming out today. This has been going, these people have been telling you this stuff for years. For years. You're the solution. I've told you this. We are the solution. I'm going to include myself in that. You and I, we're the solution. Not politicians, not Donald Trump, not Rick, uh, Ron DeSantis. None of those guys. They're not the solution. They've been part of the problem. Joe Biden's definitely the problem. The Democrats are definitely the problem. So don't give me this stuff. Oh, you must be for the Democrats. Nonsense. Nonsense. So let me give you a couple of things. I just want to remind you of what's went on during this time of the convents, okay? This is, uh, yeah, this is Pfizer's view. Check this out. But there are a lot of indications right now that uh, are telling us that there is uh, uh, a protection against uh, transmission of the disease. <laughs> there is no variant that we have identified that escapes the protection of our vaccine. Against COVID Even- to come now with a treatment of 90% effectiveness. You know, personally makes me a lot very proud about. Uh, Don't we know that um, the three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. The three doses with a booster, they offer reasonable protection. Again, it no! is necessary a fourth boost right now. The, the protection that you are getting from the third, it is uh, good enough. Actually, quite good for hospitalizations and deaths. It's not that good against infections, but doesn't last very long. This is the guy that just came out and said he's got the convicts. That's what he said. Oh, it's great protection, though. Yeah, and I'm putting those little sounds in there. So, anyway, that, that was one. Um, got another one here. Now, these are, these are some good ones here. This is, um, I don't know if you guys are paying attention. You know, you, you've seen some of the, uh, the farmers' protests, right? You, you've, you've seen these things. How about Serbia? You guys been paying, you know, we've seen that out of the Netherlands, right? What about Serbia? You guys seen any of that? Check this out. This is really something. And these guys have told the government there, and I apologize that my camera keeps freezing up. I think I'm pretty low on disk space or something. 
and I'm trying to figure out how to clear something off. Uh, I've cleared off everything I can think of without getting rid of programs. But anyway, the Serbian government had threatened them, and they said, we will come to Belgrade. So I want to give you a little video here. You guys on the radio, I think there's a little music to this. And uh, But it's kind of like what went on with the trucker's convoy, except these are all tracker or tractors. And they're as far as you can see down the highway. <laughs> I, I love it. I love to see these big tractors out on the road for miles here. And they're protesting what their government is doing to them. And this thing goes for like, uh, oh, I don't know, two and a half minutes. And I'm not going to play that long. I'm going I'm to give you a little more of the other. But you guys on the radio, you, you just got to you gotta check this out in the archive. Uh, or join us on the platforms for the, for the video. But it's pretty incredible the numbers of people who have taken their tractors out in protest against what their government is doing them. Listen, these food crises around the world, they're not predicting them. They're planning them. They're planning them. Okay? Same thing's going on in our country. There's not anything any different. Uh, there's more video that comes along uh, after this that shows them rolling down the road. You guys will have that in the archive a little later. Uh, also, in Serbia, <laughs> a ton of people showed up. Uh, tens of thousands of people showed up to pro or to protest against the what do they call it? The LGBTQPI plus. I don't even know what that is right now. Uh, it's all the people who have lost their minds. They showed up in favor of traditional family values, and uh, yeah, I've got four and a half minutes of video of the people coming out doing this. And you can see them out in the streets. Uh, this looks like some of the protests we saw out in other places. And look at them. Flooding the streets. They are against the sodomite agenda. They're in favor of traditional family values, of the way God established the family, male and female. This is the people out in the streets there in Serbia. And um, again, this isn't the only place this has been done. We've seen this down in, I think it was Brazil, where they had a lot of this going on. This is the people's response to natural law. Whether they are Christian or whatever their religious belief is, this is their response to natural law. It's natural within man to see men go with women, women go with men. And the result of that union is children. So th this is just a little taste of what's going on there. We've got one more, and that is our friend Senator Malcolm Roberts, again speaking on uh, climate change. And we had him on the show, um, what was it, a month or two ago? Or has the time passed that fast? It's been longer than that. Anyway, I really like Malcolm Roberts. I like the way he speaks. I like the way he conducts himself. Um, and he's calling out the... Um, the climate change again down there in Australia. Take a listen. The Australian Institute of Marine Science annual report has found the Great Barrier Reef central section 
and northern section now have record coral cover. For millennia, the reef has witnessed natural events causing coral bleaching and then recovers just as quickly every time. Tropical cyclones bleach the reef. Floods deliver freshwater plumes onto the reef, killing saltwater coral polyps. Once the plume dissipates, marine life consumes the nutrients in the floodwaters and the sediment turns into sand. The reef and coastal environment is renewed. For millennia, natural solar, lunar and rain cycles have caused bleaching. What is new is the late 20th century environmental movement hijacking a perfectly normal climate cycle for their own political benefit. If your party's real objective is to control every aspect of life on the reef and along the coast, then be honest and have that debate. The only argument that climate fraudsters can advance in favour of onerous reductions in farm output is save the reef. Well, the reef does not need saving and never has. The public has been deceived. The left are seeking to shut down agriculture and transfer food production to near-urban intensive food production facilities manufacturing food-like substances. Who will own these facilities? Predatory billionaires. The same predatory billionaires who own and drive the environmental movement for their own benefit. We have one flag, we are one community, we are one nation, and we will continue to stand up for our farmers' right to feed and clothe the world. Amen. Amen. Senator Malcolm Roberts out of Australia. Boy, I, I want to get him back on. I really enjoyed our, our interview when we had him on. Now, listen, uh, again, I'm going to see if we can probably set Brent up for either tomorrow or sometime this week, uh, because I've looked at his website just to give you guys a heads up. We, we showed this when we had Roger Sells on, but uh, in case you want to be looking at it, commonlawyer.com and then we're also trying to get um the hikeless friend on and i haven't heard from her yet so we're going to see if we can uh, set her up as well because i think all of this stuff concerning law is and what's been hidden from us what's what we've been deceived by is vital information at this time and so that's why i'm kind of on that trip is because I think there has been a beguiling of the people. But this is Brent's site, commonlawyer.com. And again, we're going to see if we can get Brent on. And I, I took my title from thinking he was going to be on from his little point here, which is something I've said before. Show me your lawgiver and I'll show you your God. Now, I didn't use exactly those words, but you guys have, have heard uh, how I've put that, that every government that is set up is a theocracy. Now, people may not like to hear that, but it is. Whoever the God of that society is determines the laws. That's what it means. God is a judge. That's what the term, that's his title. That's not his name. His name is Yahweh. Or in some instances, they refer to him as Jehovah. But his name is Yahweh, the I am that I am. The great I am. Which is, by the way, for those of you who don't think that Jesus said that he was God, that's what he was referring to in John every time he says, I am the door. I am the bread of life. I am the water of life. I am the resurrection. He is taking the name of God and saying, that's me. That's who's here. The I am. Before Abraham was, I was. No, that's not what he says. I am. Jesus is making the claim that he is the judge, that he is the lawgiver, that he is the creator. John 1.1, 1, 1, don't let the Jehovah's Witnesses fool you with he was a God. Nope, he was God in the beginning. He was God in the flesh. He is God at the right hand of the Father. Same thing. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I'm going to start off here. What about any culture 
that develops law. Where do they get their laws? Where is that law coming from? Now, when you look to to um, other cultures, where do you find their law comes from? Now, in some ways, they've got to have a handle on natural law. Okay, they're going to obviously pick up on certain things that are in within the natural realm that doesn't require special revelation. For instance, if you go kill somebody. The natural response of any man, I don't care if they're a Christian or not, is, wait a minute, you should pay with your life. If you premeditated that murder, you should pay for, pay for it with your life. Okay? Now, but if you go into other cultures, and I've been called a Christian Taliban. <laughs> I know some of you guys are probably laughing about that. I've been called a Christian Taliban because I said, well, the, the law of God gives us how we should deal with things. Now, I did an article, and I, I wish I'd, I'm just now thinking about that, so maybe I can pull it up here. Uh, in just a second, if I can even remember what the name of the thing was, but uh, uh, the article. But <clears throat> I have been referred to as a Christian Taliban. And um, one of the things I did in response to that was I wrote a short article. And it was dealing with um, how the Islamists over in the Middle East were dealing with a guy who he, he, stole, he stole something. So what they did was, is they took, and I'm, I'm going through here seeing if I can find it, but I, I don't know if I can or not, because uh, I don't remember the title of the article. But Bradley sends me something, he goes, hey, can you send me that, that article, because he's doing something he's writing on. I want to use that in the article. And I'm like, gosh, that was 10 years ago. I, I know what it is, but I have no idea of what, uh, what the title of it was. So anyway, the point was, is they took this guy who was stealing something, okay, and they numbed his hand out in the public square, had a table with a, a meat cleaver, okay? Numbed his hand, put a tourniquet on, and cut the guy's hand off. Now, the Bible does talk about giving an, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, an eye for an eye. Okay, that might be in the case of where you've damaged somebody, but we're talking about they stole something from somebody. This is how the Islamists will do it. They will render the guy uh, incapable with one hand to work, right? So now somebody, he's either going to have to learn how to deal with one hand, or he's going to be subject to begging people for help. Does that sound like justice to you? No, it's not just. And so I, I gave that as an example, and I said, now in American law, under U.S. law, if you will, what happens to the guy who steals? Well, he goes to jail. They'll put him in jail. And as we were talking about the other day, other day he's, there's a bond going to be created when he goes to, um, well, they don't want it to hurt, Georgia. <laughs> Why bother numbing it? They don't want it to hurt. And they put a tourniquet on You know, they're trying to show that they love the guy. They care about the guy. They want him to live, but they don't want him to have a hand. This is, this is the backwardness. And the God of that society has determined that law, by the way. Okay? So, in American, or in the US, under U.S. law now, not, it used to not be this way, but it, but it is now, they create a bond to take the guy to jail who stole something. Then they create bonds for him being in jail because the prisons are for profit. Okay? And who pays for that? Well, the guy's victims, the people he stole from, 
Now, are they paid? No, nope, but the state gets paid fines and all kinds of other things, restitution, this, that, and the other, but they've not been stolen from. But under biblical law, what happens? And what we used to practice in this country, what happens? Well, the person who steals from you pays back what he stole plus a certain percentage. Sometimes it'd be two times, sometimes it'd be four times what he, what he took. And let me give you an example. You know the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, right? And then Jesus comes by, takes him, he says, come down, I'm going to your house. And they get to the house, and they're eating there, and Zacchaeus is feeding the Lord, and they're having a, a fellowship there. And all of a sudden, Zacchaeus gets up in the middle of that. We're not told everything that went on there, but we are told this. Zacchaeus had a transformation. He apparently received the new birth, and in that new birth, he gave evidence of it by standing up and saying, whoever I have stole from, I'll repay four times. Now, Zacchaeus's business was, I don't know, what can we equate it to? Uh, the IRS. That's what he was engaged in. Um, maybe even you could say your CPA, somewhere in between a CPA and an IRS agent. He's one of those guys. That's his job. Now, how many of you guys like IRS agents? How many of you have an affection for IRS, the IRS, right? How many of you have an affection for your CPA or the guy who does your taxes? This is that kind of guy. Nobody liked him. Nobody liked him. He was short, too, to boot. That's why he was up in the tree. So he had this physical appearance that, that made him people look down on him, no pun intended, but they, they looked down on him, right? And they didn't like publicans. That's what these guys were called. They were called publicans. And you remember Jesus talked about a publican going into the temple alongside a Pharisee. And the Pharisee was going, God, I thank you. I'm not like those guys. I'm not like this guy over here. He's the drag of society. I thank you I'm not like, I think you, you, you've made me better than him. And you're proud of me. And you're thankful that I'm on the earth. And I must be the apple of your eye. That's the way the Pharisee was praying. I mean, arrogance out the window. I mean, if Lucifer wasn't praying through that guy's lips, I don't know who was. The publican, though, in Jesus' tale, is over in the corner, out of sight, beating his chest, going, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that's why I say the whole sinner's prayer thing that people want to lead people in is just ridiculous. If you see your sin, guess what you'll do? You'll claim it, and you'll confess it before the Lord, and you'll cry out for mercy. You won't know what to pray except to call out for mercy. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not the work of man. The false converts in the church today are the result of a gospel that does not hold the law of God up to them to show them their sin that they might see themselves as sinners before a just and holy God. Where that's missing, the gospel's missing. You have to show people how sinful they are before God according to his law. And his law is natural law, but it's also revealed law. And so, that's right. God didn't, uh, thank you, South. 
God didn't hear the, uh, the, the Pharisee, but he did hear the publican, and the Bible says that the publican went down to his house justified. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? It was counted to him for righteousness, we could say, taking it back to Abraham when he believed God, and it was accounted in him for righteousness. Now, that belief and that justification that God gives is not seen by men, at least at that time that we believe, but it is seen in our works afterwards. And that's what Ephesians 2 says. You know, a lot of people learn Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But they forget the part. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so what happens after that is a demonstration that what we can't see really happened. You guys remember when Jesus had uh, the paralytic, uh, his friends got him. He couldn't make it into the house because the house was full. And so what did his friends do? They said, well, we know Jesus can help him. And so they took the paralytic. They got up on the guy's roof of a, the guy's house. They tore off the guy's roof. Now, you've got to be really believing something or really desperate or maybe both to get up on somebody's roof and start tearing it apart so you can drop your friend in the midst of where Jesus is in that house that he might be healed. And if you remember the story, they drop this man in the midst of where Jesus is. All the people in the house, it's like elbow to elbow, and the Pharisees are there. And Jesus looks at this man who can't walk, and he says what? Get up and walk. Or no, he says, your sins are forgiven. I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Your sins are forgiven. And how do the Pharisees respond? Well, they're over there. Who is this guy, man? Only God can forgive sins. They're whispering under their breath and thinking things in their heart. This guy is a blasphemer, and he's he's trying to seek the place of God. And Jesus knows what they're talking about. He knows what's in their heart, and he goes, what's wrong with you guys? Is it more difficult for me to say your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk? Well, now, let's ask ourselves that question. Which is, more, which is more difficult for Jesus to do? To say your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk? Now, for us, we would say, we might look at the situation and go, well, it's easy to say your sins are forgiven. Nobody can see that. You know, nobody can tell you just words you're mouthing, even though they're true. I think that the getting up and walking part is pretty difficult. And Jesus says that you may know that I have power to forgive sins. Oh, I thought only God could do that. That's right. Only God can do that. Because all sin is against God. First and foremost, it's against God. Now, we may sin against others. Don't get me wrong. Uh, David, when he sinned against Uriah, when he sinned against Bathsheba, um, he sinned against them. There's no doubt. But when he confessed his sin, what did he say? Against you and you only. Have a sin. Why? Because God is the lawgiver. So what happens when Jesus says, hey man, I'm going to show you which which one's harder. Hmm. Either one's just as easy for me. Your sins are forgiven. Now get up and walk. Get up, Take your bed and get up and walk. Get out of here. And the guy gets up in front of them and he walks out. He gets up and he walks out. How can Jesus forgive sins? Sins are transgression of the law, is what John tells us in his uh, first epistle there. How can he do that? Because Jesus is the lawgiver. He is the lawgiver. 
This is why it frustrates me to no end when I hear these, quote-unquote, and they swipe, they swipe New Covenant theology. That's what they call it. And they say, well, we're not under that. We're not under this law here. And remember, Jesus said he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Not one jot or tittle. Heaven and earth won't pass away, but my word will stand forever. Okay? And what was that law? It was the simple, basic law right out of natural law. And it was carved in stone for Moses. Okay? And where do we find that? Well, we find that in Exodus chapter 20. And by the way, the rest of the law that proceeds out of that, especially when you get into Deuteronomy and uh, Leviticus and, and such, what you'll see is it's just an expounding of the law. It's telling you this is what the law encompasses. It's not just this. This is how it spreads out, and this is how you understand it. So let's take a look at that. Now, this was something that, and I would encourage you with your families to memorize Exodus 21 through 17. Now, we did this as a church. We did this as a family. Uh, we were um, planning a church in North Carolina. We would learn, we would make it real easy. We'd learn one verse each week and we'd add it. And then when we came in to have worship together, what we would do is we would have all the families recite it together. It was almost like singing, except we were just reciting the scripture. And this is one of the passages that we did. We did Genesis 1. I think we did Ephesians 1. We did several passages so you'd have the full context, not just learning a verse here and there, but learning the entire context, because context is king. Okay? So let's look, at what Ephes- uh, let's look at what Exodus chapter 20 has to say. Notice this. And God spake all these words. All right. He's giving the law here. Remember that the people had been delivered out from under another God, and I use that in quotes, little g, another judge named Pharaoh in Egypt. And Pharaoh's decrees were that they be slaves. Pharaoh's decrees were that you kill every male child under two years old, or every, whenever a male child is born, you kill it. And we talked about this the other week with the, the handmaids, or the, uh, the midwives that were helping the women. They wouldn't do that. They preserved the male children. That was, that was the law, that was the God of Egypt, and the God of Egypt made the laws. Everybody follow me? Is that pretty easy to understand? They were delivered out of that by the God of creation, Yahweh, the I Am. Okay? And so he says, and God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So he reminds them right up front of who he is. He's the one that delivered them. He's the one who brought the plagues on Egypt. He's the one who uh, destroyed the firstborn while preserving their lives and their firstborn with the blood across the doorposts. By the way, in the shape of the cross, on the top and on the sides of the doorpost. He's the one who gave them the Passover meal to remind them that life has to be given in order to preserve. The blood has to come and it has to cleanse. As Hebrews says, 
almost all things are cleansed by blood. And he's, so he's, he's teaching them and he's showing them these things. And he preserves them so that the death angel passes over them who put the blood on the doorpost. But he went throughout all the land of Egypt killing the firstborn. And he did that to show that he had power over the gods of Egypt. Okay? And he delivered the people so much that the people, when they left the land of Egypt, the people of Egypt were giving them gold and silver and all kinds of other stuff to get them out of there. These are people who have been slaves for 400 years. Now all of a sudden they're getting gifts from the people they've been around. They're getting out of the land. God leads them with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. He protects them. And then what does Pharaoh do? Pharaoh, you know, he's, he's upset. He wants them to get out. And then all of a sudden, because his heart's so hard, he goes after them with his armies. And what does God do? Well, he sets that pillar of fire, pillar of cloud behind them as they're at the Red Sea, as the armies are approaching. And he tells Moses to lift his staff and see the deliverance of God. And what does God do? Dry ground, water on both sides, wide enough so all these, literally a million people or better, are able to go through on dry ground throughout the night to the other side. And then he removes that protection that has been there. And the armies of Pharaoh think that they're better than everybody else. And they think, well, we can just go right through just like these guys. And when they get right in the middle, what does God do for them? He delivers them, doesn't he? His people. By destroying those who are opposed to his people. Destroying them. I want to say that as a message of hope for us today. There are people, they've got names and faces, Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, Joe Biden, Donald Trump. Pick your people in the EU. Pick your people in the United Nations. Pick your people in the World Economic Forum. They want to destroy you, or at least rule over you if they don't destroy you. They haven't learned that our God cares for us. We are his kids. And they have not learned. They are running into the midst of the Red Sea after us, after we're already safe on the other side, and they don't realize that at any moment, God is going to say, close, and the waters of judgment are going to come on them, and they're going to be destroyed. So listen to me, believer. Take hope in Christ. He is seeing all things around us. Doesn't mean we don't shirk our responsibility. The people had a responsibility to cross through the, through the waters. They couldn't just stay on the other side and say, Oh, Lord, you know, how about transporting us out of here? Getting us, you know, fly us over to the other side. No, 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 that's not what's going on. This is a warning to the bad guys, but it should be an encouragement to the people of God. And I'm, when I say the people of God, I'm talking about you guys who have actually been born again. You've actually been convicted of your sin. You've actually turned from it. If you're continuing on in that, this isn't for you. You're still, you're with the other guys. You're going to get swallowed up in the judgment too. But this is what's going on. And so God reminds them that he's the one who brought them out of the house of bondage, out of the house of slavery. Okay? Then he gives us law. Listen to his law. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Nobody. Nothing. Okay? 
Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. This one is a, boy, I'll tell you, there's been some people who've had, especially some of the Amish, I think, they won't even, they don't even want to have a photograph taken of them because they believe that's an image. That's a graven image. How many of us, you know, boy, have you seen the people, um, sometimes they'll carry pictures around, they'll kiss the picture. The sentimentality, almost a worship. I'm not saying they look at that photo like it's a god. What I'm saying is there's this there's this adoration and there's this worship of it. And we can get caught in that. Now, we have pictures in the house. I'm not saying that. But we can get caught up in that. It's very easy to get caught up in that kind of thing. He says, don't make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Hmm. He's going to visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. This is why it's important for us as dads that we teach our children the law of God, that we do our best to exemplify what that is in our lives. Boy, I'll tell you, you want to talk about conviction yesterday. Our pastor was finishing up Deuteronomy 28. I was just, I I was utterly convicted. Because sometimes me as a father, I get so busy, or as a husband, I get so busy with things that I'm doing. And sometimes I don't demonstrate what God has said here. And there was a need for Tim Brown to repent. But he says that he shows, thou- he shows mercy to thousands to those who love him and keep his commandments. First and foremost, how do we keep his commandments? With the righteousness of Christ. Period. First and foremost, with the righteousness of Christ. Because apart from that, you're not going to keep his commandments. You're going to break every one of them every day. Because James says if you break it in the smallest amount, you've broken the whole thing. But then there's the practical application because God has given to us of his spirit, has he not? And why did he give us his spirit? To lead us into all truth and to obey him. I've told people, I said, yeah, you're not sinless, But I do think there's something to saying that you sin less, and you sin less and less and less and less, as where God has planted the seed of regeneration in you, where he has given you the new birth. He is not only the author of your faith, he is the finisher thereof too. Okay, So the trajectory of our life should be away from sin, not towards it, like it used to be. Right? Let's go through the rest of the law that God has given. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Now, boy, I'll tell you, if this one hasn't been distorted, I don't know what has. People get out of bit out of shape about people using GD. Now, I'm not a fan of that. I don't think it's I don't think it's a good thing to do. But the term God is his title, it's not his name. If you call yourself a Christian, which means a little Christ or a follower of Christ, if that's what you're doing and you're not behaving as Christ, you are taking his name in vain. If you say, God bless you and I love God and blah, 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 and if you do that and then you're acting contrary 
to who God is and what he is said to do, you're taking his name in vain. Of course, if you fly off the handle with a, a frivolous statement of Jesus for your curse, if you will, you're taking his name in vain. But it's basically what you're calling yourself, that you're saying, I'm, I'm one of God's people, and yet you're going to act like you're not one of his people. God's not going to hold you guiltless for taking his name in vain. Verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it thou shalt not do any work, nor thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter. I have to understand, I learned this in the New King James, so when I have to go back to King James, it's a little different for me. Thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, i got to tell you, I've, I've dealt with people who want to make creation days, you know, Thousands of years, millions of years, whatever. I don't know how you deal with that in, in the light of this, because God gives the people a remembrance of what he did in creation. And he says, you're to set aside one day in which you rest. Doesn't say, he doesn't even say worship. He says, you set aside a day that you rest from your labors. Why? It is to teach you you're not God. is to teach you that you're not God. In fact, when Jesus was talking about the Sabbath, one of the things that he says is, my father has been working from the beginning, and I'm working. And what is that work that they're doing? They're doing good deeds. They're not doing things to gain their abundance for living, or existing, or even pleasure. The work that the Christ was doing was what? He was healing on the Sabbath. Now, that was considered to be work by the Pharisees, wasn't it? And Jesus says, well, you guys go and get a donkey out of the ditch when it falls in the ditch. Is the donkey worth more than this guy who's got a withered hand that I just said, stretch out your hand? And he's healed. No. But these hypocrites said, the donkey's worth more than this withered man's this man's withered hand. And so Jesus healed his hand. This is not this is not hard to understand here. And if you go back, the only time that we see that this particular issue was really carried out on a particular individual is when some guy's going carrying his sticks. He's going picking up sticks. And it wasn't because it was cold and he was looking to get a fire. The idea is the guy went because this was his job. He was collecting these twigs and these logs and everything else. And he was doing it because he was going to sell them. On the Sabbath. You see all through the Old Testament. In fact, the reason that Israel was taken into captivity in Babylon was because they failed to keep the Sabbaths. Now, I know some people lose their mind over that issue. But it's a big deal to God. Put his people in captivity for 70 years. He warned them about it because they wouldn't obey him concerning the land. They did not leave the land to rest every seventh year. And so God says, you guys owe me a bunch. 
You owe me 70 Sabbaths. It's going to be 70 years you're going to spend in captivity. And sure enough, he brought it about the way he said he would. And then God gave this. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Honoring mother and father is a way to learn how to be submissive in godly submission. Okay, by the way, let's make a distinction here. In godly submission to the authority that God has established. There's a lot of you will hear um, certain things. We talk about people usurping authority, especially in D.C. We'll talk about it among, among police Policemen. We're talking about among those who are in the pulpit who usurp their authority. You see, the one thing is, is that where there's authority, a godly authority that's established, and Jesus said in himself, You have no authority unless the Father has given it to you. So that ought to be enough for us to understand that whatever authority is established is established by God. However, there are those who usurp authority as well. And those have to be dealt with also. But we learn to be submissive to godly authority. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now he gives us as a promise to Israel. This is the only commandment with the promise. In fact, we read it again in Ephesians chapter 6, where it says, Children, obey your parents. And he throws in this little phrase, in the Lord. Right? that your days may be long. He reiterates that there in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6. This is an important thing too. Why? Because Jesus addressed this, and those people want to say, well, Jesus did away with the death penalty. Really? We talked about this last week with Roger Sales when he talked about Corbin. And he had Jesus who would take, and he would address them and say, you guys aren't taking care of your elderly parents. You're supposed to honor mother and father. Now, we think about honoring as we have this respect for them, which we should. We have a love for them because of what they've done for us. And I'm not going to diminish that. We should have that. But at the same time, honor comes from where we get the word honorarium. Now, what do you think about when you think about an honorarium? Well, you usually think about something that you give to somebody out of appreciation or something they've done, right? Usually it's money in our society, or what we call money. It's usually, we're going to give them debt. <laughs> we're going to give them debt money. But the, but the point is, is we're, we're to care for them. And why is that? Well, when we were little and helpless, unable to feed ourselves, unable to control our bowel movements and our urine and we needed somebody to feed us. Who did that? That's right. Dear mom and dad, right? They did that for us. Now, when they get old and those kind of things start happening to them, who's supposed to take care of them? That's right. You are. I am. And when we don't do that, when we don't take care of them, the Bible says that we're worse than an unbeliever and an infidel. Okay? So those of those who say I love God but they dishonor their parents, 
What are they doing? They're lying. They're lying. Now look, I understand sometimes there's some care that you just can't give. You don't have the knowledge to give. I understand those kind of things. But the majority of things is just a lot of people today just don't want to deal with their elderly parents. They don't want to have to do things like wipe their bottom. They don't want to have to do things like feed their parents. They don't want to do things like it's just going to cause too much conflict in the family. It's, it's going to be too much of a burden that they can't bear. They got other things they got to do. Well, let me tell you something. If you're one of those kind of people, you need to repent. The Bible says you're to honor your father and your mother. You're to honor them. Well, what if the parents are complete crap? <laughs> well, the Bible says honor your father and mother. What it says, I could tell you several stories that I've read of men who had not the greatest parents, okay? And yet they chose to honor them and God blessed them as a result of that. Many stories I could tell you that I've read. Here's another one. And we're running out of time, so we may run over just a little bit today. Thou shalt not kill. Now, some people will jump on that and say, oh, see, you're against the death penalty, this, that, and the you, you have to be against the death penalty because that's killing. Well, let's go back to the honor of thy father and thy mother. Jesus was addressing the, the Pharisees there, as I talked about before. And one of the things that he did was, he said, you have made your tradition greater than the commandments of God, right? And he says, the one that dishonors mother and father should be put to death. That's part of the law, too. And he's not talking about your little toddlers. He's not even, I don't even think, talking about your teenagers. But he's talking about those who reach a certain place where they're out on their own and they're dishonoring their mother and father. They're drunkards. They're brawlers. They're all these kind of things. He says, you should put those people to death. He says, that's what the law says. So how can the two, be the, how can the two work together? Well, they can work together simple. The idea of killing here is that you premeditate a murder of somebody. It's not that it was an accident. You go back to the law, you'll see a guy is chopping wood with his friend. His axe head flies off. It kills his friend. And he goes runs to a city of refuge so that he can be tried rather than the Avenger catch him and kill him. I'll finish this on the other side if you want to hear the rest of it. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. We'll catch you there. And uh, also catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and then we'll see you in the morning Lord willing at 6 a.m. Adios. Okay, want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio and so that's the idea. We're not to take life. The positive side for that is and Mr. Wordsworth, try refreshing. I don't know what was going on. Uh, my camera's been acting up, freezing up and stuff and I don't I don't know what's causing that but uh, hasn't been a problem but I don't know. I don't know what happened. So he says, thou shalt not kill. Well, we get that, okay? Let's not murder. Let's not be a participant in murder, as uh, Proverbs tells us. Let's not get with those who want to shed innocent blood so that they can get gain. I read that this morning. But we're also to be those who help preserve life. We do what we can. This is one of those things. You know, Kate had a video out uh, about two weeks ago 
where she said people need to learn life-saving techniques like CPR and stuff. We do. We need to do that if we love our neighbor. We want to try to preserve their life if they're in danger of losing it. That's the positive side of you shall not kill. Then we have thou shalt not commit adultery. And this one comes in the sense that we have a covenant between the man and his wife, which is a picture of the covenant between God or Christ and his church. We read that in Ephesians chapter 5. And we were going through uh, Deuteronomy 28 yesterday, and we are talking about the breaking of the covenant and how somebody who uh, would go and do this would take another, uh, another woman under themselves, uh, a man who would take another woman to themselves, would be like what Paul references, I think it's in the book of Ephesians, where he talks about you'll bring a, pro- a prostitute, no, Corinthians, I'm sorry, you'll bring a prostitute in with you, and you'll make Christ a partaker in prostitution. I mean, that's what he's saying. You're not going to do that. And so the, the committing adultery, and God uses this kind of terminology all throughout the Old Testament, where he calls Israel a whore, or a prostitute, or she's committed adultery, or she's been an adulteress. We see it also in the New Testament, in the book of James, where he talks about that, you adulterers and adulteresses, he calls them. And he's speaking spiritually there as to how they've engaged with other gods, where they've, they've left the God who is their husband, as it were, and done these kinds of things. And so he says, you don't do that. Because the marriage is a picture of what God is to his church. He is intimate with his church. He loves his church. Okay? Then he gives us this. Thou shalt not steal. Well, if the communists and the socialists are right, (laughs) this wouldn't apply, would it? You should just, whatever you've got, you should be giving it away to everybody, you're, 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 it's a demand on you. And the government's going to make sure that you're going to do that. We're going to swipe your stuff. We're going to keep some for ourselves. We're going to redistribute it. That's what we've been experiencing for decades in this country, by the way. And not just happening redistribution in our country, but also throughout the world. You guys have been seeing the billions of dollars being given to this corrupt country, Ukraine. He says you shall not steal. And there's a lot of ways in which you steal. Some people embezzle. Some people um, actually grab it with their hands and take it. Some people steal with none of that. They clock in. And they work. And they're agreeing to work a certain amount of time for a certain amount of wage. But they don't work all of that time. They're goofing off. They're playing on their phones. They're playing on the computer. They're talking on the phone, things that aren't a part of that business. You are stealing from your employer. The Bible says don't do that. And what happens if you do steal? You're to, you're to restore that. Not go to jail, not have your hand cut off. You're to restore that. The way you keep your dignity, you keep your limbs... And you honor God in the process of doing it in restoring what you dishonored God with. How about this one? Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Now, I know a lot of people break this down to lying and 
I would agree with that. However, we see that Rahab, the harlot from the book of Joshua, we're told in Hebrews chapter 11 that she hid the spies. And part of her hiding the spies was what? Deceiving those who were looking to kill them. So in other words, she lied. She said, oh, they went this way. She knew good and well they were in her house. She wasn't condemned for that. The idea here is mainly when you are called to testify, it says, bear false witness. When you are testifying, you are not to lie. This is why perjury is a serious crime. Okay? This is a serious crime. It also goes along with gossiping, which the New Testament gives, and you're talking about somebody behind their back, or you're sharing things about other people that you shouldn't be sharing, or that is, that is utterly false. You should just keep your mouth shut. Don't bear a false witness. Let truth come out of your mouth. As Jesus says, you don't even need to take an oath. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything more than that is from the evil one. That's why I don't, I don't really care for this, putting your hand on the Bible and doing all this stuff. And Look, just, yeah, I'll tell the truth. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Okay? And then the final one here. This is the one Paul says that got him. Because he said, outwardly, I kept the law. You know, I didn't do any of this stuff. I didn't kill anybody. And At least in his mind, that's what he's presenting. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Coveting. This is not something external. This is something that goes on right down in here. How many of you that I'm talking to have a problem that you see something somebody got or that they're doing or that they've acquired, or whatever the case may be, and you go, boy, I wish I had one of those. I wish I had that. That's coveting. Toss it your neighbor's house. Man, they got a nice house. Boy, I wish I had one of those. Your neighbor's wife. Boy, she's good looking. I, I wish I had a wife like that. Or, boy, she really takes care of him. My wife doesn't do it quite that way. I wish my wife would do that. That's coveting, guys. What about the things he has? His cars, his plow, his computer, his, you name it. Boy, that coveting will get us. You know what? Because coveting is the root of all these others. Why do they commit adultery? They covet their neighbor's wife. Why do they steal? Because they covet their neighbor's possessions. Stop and think about that for a second. That's right there at the root of it. This is why the Bible says the love of money, or we could say the coveting of money, is the root of all evil. It's not the money itself. The money is just the thing. But it's that desire within us that's part of our sinful nature. This is why we need a deliverer from sin. Stop and think about this for a second. God gives them all these thou shalt nots. What does that stir up within people? Paul talks about it. He says, the law came and it stirs up sin in me. Let me give you an example. It's a funny example. I want all of you out there listening to me to not think about a pink elephant. Thou shalt not think of pink elephants. What's the first thing that you do? 
what what is your what does your mind go to? Pink elephants. I've not met anybody who, if they were honest, wouldn't say that's where their their mind goes. This is part of our. It just demonstrates what our nature, how it works. God says, "Don't do this." We say, "I'm going to go do it." And so the lawgiver is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who gave the law. He's the one who reiterated the law when he came in the flesh. John 1, 1 through 13. He came in the flesh, God in the flesh, took on a body which the Father made for him in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He came in under this law, and he never broke it. Can you imagine living your life never having a covetous thought that would lead you into any of these other things? Can you imagine that? That's the life the Lord Jesus lived. He lived it on behalf of his people. That's his act of obedience unto God. He not only fulfilled the law in obeying it perfectly, not only the negative side of not thou shalt not, but thou shalt, which is the positive side of that, he fulfilled that perfectly. And he fulfilled the will of God throughout his 33 and a half years of life here on the earth as a man. That's his act of obedience. His passive obedience was going to the cross and giving himself wasn't that he, oh yeah, men said he's this and that and the other and all these things. But he gave himself, he says, no man takes my life, I lay it down freely. See, Jesus was in control of that situation, not the Romans and not the Jews. Even though they were working together against him, Jesus had control of the situation. He says, I lay down my life. And that's his, his, act, his passive obedience and that he gave up his life for his people. And so here's the message. Are you one of his people? Or are you still in your sin? Are you still conducting yourself in the ways of the world? Oh, you might affirm these things with your lips, but what's going on in your mind? Jesus said, if you're angry with your brother without a cause, you have committed murder. You have killed. You've violated that commandment. Jesus says, if you lust in your heart, after a woman, you have committed adultery. Are you coveting? Lawbreaker. Well, Tim, everybody does it. Yeah, everybody does do it. That's why everybody needs a Savior. They don't get to justify themselves by pointing their finger at their brothers and sisters and people around the world and say, well, everybody's doing it, God. God's going to say, yep, that's right. Everybody is doing it, and everybody's going to be judged. And God says that we're to repent of those things. We're to obey him. So here's the question. Are you going to be one of those guys that say, I'm not like those guys there. I got it all together, man. Me and God, we got it all together like this. I don't need that Jesus stuff. I understand natural law. I'm not a lawbreaker. You like that Pharisee? Or you like the publican who just got hit with the law of God? And you say, what do I do? Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I hope you're the latter and not the former. Because God does not give grace to the proud. You think you got it all together? There's no grace there. There's no mercy there. But there is grace to the humble. Those who recognize their state before God, they repent of their sin, their lawlessness, 
their breaking of his law, and they receive the goodness of God in the mercy that's purchased for them through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, it's not just for the individual. It is for the society. Because again, this law is the foundation for all law. There is no law apart from this. And this is what I talk about when people get frivolous with the law and want to charge a moral property tax. They're immoral. They are lawless. They are not law. I know they call them that, but they are lawless. Or they want to go arrest you because you have a plant that God has put on the earth. That is lawless. It is not part of law. I don't care what your justification for it is. I don't care. There is a difference between the moral law of God and the frivolous laws of men. And then the just punishments to follow, which we'll probably pick up at some time as well. Uh, So stay tuned for that. We're going to see if we can get Brent back on. I think he'll probably do a really good job in going through some of this. I've read some of his stuff. Uh, But I hope that if you're a believer, I hope this is helpful to you to be able to use with somebody else. Because that's not only for yourself um, and examining yourself, but also for others that you come in contact with. And if you're not a believer, I hope that the Holy Spirit has convicted you. I hope he's brought some conviction there. And the urging that I would have is give into that conviction, confess your sin, trust in Christ, and then start following after him, start obeying him. Um, And you'll see the fruit of that. You really will. God promises that he will bless his people, but you got to come to him on his terms. you got to acknowledge where you're at spiritually, and then you've got to turn from the life you've lived, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow hard after Christ. Catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and then Lord willing, we'll be back with you in the morning, 6 a.m., bright and early. Talk to you then. See you.